Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 34. During this episode, you may notice that Matt is being afflicted by an ailment. And if anyone can guess what it is, a listener, we will send you a gift. Wow. So that is both a challenge to you to not give it away and a listener to figure out what it is. Okay. I, I should say it is not allergies. Yes, correct. So if you can guess what it is and you email us at timsteak at, at g- gmail.com. At gmail.com. It's good timsteak I know. at gmail.com. It's good I know the email. Then we'll send you a legit, an actual gift. I have never hosted a podcast, A, with an ice cream truck going by as it is right now. I hope you can hear this in the background. Nor with this ailment. And to be clear, I am also suffering from allergies. <laughs> it's a whole combo. And you really can hear the ice cream truck. I think it's at least, in our front yard. At least we can. This is episode 34. We're going to go with our classic switch up routine. Our alternative. Our alternative format. Something of note. A take. And I'm not just a parent. Yep. And I'm going first on all of them. You are, and I'm watching you struggle to contain this ailment, and it's really something, no, if that gives any hints. <laughs> no, what you're seeing is my trying not to sniff too much on the mic because of those early sneezes that were edited out. Let's dive in. Something of note. We recently, just within the last two weeks, I believe, had Oliver's nine-month appointment. We did. He's nine months and a couple weeks old now. And this is something of note, was my response. I showed up a little bit late to the appointment because I had a meeting right beforehand. And so kind of you're just tossed in to what's already happening with the doctor. But at the end of his appointment, he had to have a little blood test to check his iron levels, if I'm right. And I, well, I wasn't prepared for the the bloodletting that's a necessary part of that test. But really what I wasn't prepared for is the um, our friend, what's his name? Canyon. Canyon. Canyon is a nurse who's worked with us occasionally. What I wasn't quite prepared for is that Canyon took, basically pricked the finger and then took blood from Oliver's little finger and put it in this little machine. And there was a certain number that Oliver had to meet as a benchmark to which basically we just walk out of there. If he didn't meet that number, the doctor needed to come in. So Canyon didn't get a lot of blood, but he got what he thought was enough, put in the machine, and it's below that number. And what I wasn't ready for was the amount of anxiety that that caused when in me. When the number wasn't yeah. in the normal range. And even just watching that number. Huh. And then he's like, well, maybe I didn't have enough on there. It's kind of hard to get some, so let me do it again. So he did it again, and the number was above the normal threshold. But... I, yeah, found myself quite kind of anxious Hmm. in that, I don't know, minute in which we were in between. And it was like, I don't even know what this means. But I don't know if it's just the framing of you'll have to talk to the doctor again that felt kind of intense. Maybe it would have been nice if they just said, you know, we'll talk about, I don't know, diet changes or I don't know what they would have done. But giving me a little bit of a sense of what would have come because I'm sure... I'm sure babies are anemic all the time and there's ways to deal with that that I don't know about. But The ambiguity um, felt hard. The ambiguity, I was kind of taken aback by just how intensely I was like, I want 10.7. Give me 10.7. 
So that was something that I'm just kind of mm. looking back on it is probably the thing that stands out from that appointment in some ways to me the most. So that is something of note. Yeah, we hadn't even talked about that. So that's interesting to hear from you. I do think there... Thank goodness for this podcast. <laughs> we process a lot. <laughs> I do think there's a, a lack of sometimes from doctors, really in any setting, but especially pediatricians, like of how their bedside manner or the way they label things can cause such anxiety for parents. I mean, partly it is on us to not be so reactive. I think we are very paranoid. You're just, you're so worried about your kid and how that reflects on you as a parent. And so you're bringing all of that baggage. But there is just like, you just don't know a lot about medical stuff with kids. And it is like, you're obviously concerned about your responsibility and your kid like longevity and so anytime there's some mystery or something unclear or yeah it just causes a lot of anxiety very easily in a medical setting yeah yeah we've talked about that before i think that's been a a through line for us because neither of us really has extensive we haven't been in and out of hospitals i mean some people that's just their life right yeah or i don't know as a kid they broke a ton of bones so (laughs) Just, you know, have a little bit more exposure. I don't think that's either of our stories. And as a result, I think these things all feel a little bit newer, a little bit more unknown. And we never are quite sure how to categorize, like, what's that conversation with the doctor (laughs) if they come back in? What is that, like, a very concerning? Was their tone here what a doctor does if they're really worried? Is it the tone that they're using when it's, like, hardly a big deal, but we just have to do it but yeah the ambiguity is sometimes pretty hard yes i agree and something for us to be mindful of for future doctor's appointments about our own mindset oh i thought you meant when i when i become a doctor yeah i think that ship has sailed a long time ago (laughs) wow you're telling me i can't be whatever i want to be yeah we found we were going through our files this week and i found a like a request for you to get blood test done yeah from Nine months ago before Oliver was born. Ten months ago. And the good news? Still haven't done it. No, that's not the good news. But the good news is it hasn't expired yet, that lab request. So he has one and a half more months to get that done. Perfect. That's that's all I need. Let's go on to your something of note, Rachel. My something of note is that I really struggle with unstructured playtime with Oliver. Who doesn't? But go ahead. I think there are, at least there appears to be parents out there who do not struggle with this. So No, I was meaning specifically with Oliver, which basically means you and I both probably struggle with this. Yes, we both struggle with this. But I just, sometimes the loomingness of like, especially when it's just me, like by myself and I'm with him, Mm -hmm. the loomingness of like, he's woken up from his nap. He's kind of transitioning to only two naps right now. So his wake windows are getting bigger. And so sometimes there's a three-hour gap between when he wakes up to when he's going to go down next. And he wakes up, and I'm like, whoo, I feel anxious already about what we're going to do together. And it's not because he's a particularly fussy baby or always even needs to be entertained, but I just let him like, how are we going to fill that time? I just don't always know what to do with him, which is silly because he really is very easily pleased. Yeah. But you feel pressure to be doing the quote unquote right things with him or just anything sometimes that will pass the time together that 
that doesn't feel like a cop-out. It just is hard. I want to be a fun, engaged parent with him, but I don't always know what that looks like. And sometimes he just, when I try to do those things, he's like, meh, whatever. So I did go to the dog park with him this week, which I was very excited about because he started- Which you wouldn't tell me about ahead of time because he was in the room and you wanted to be a surprise. Yeah, I was very excited about my surprise. But he started to show quite an interest in animals. So I was like, oh, it'd be really fun if we went to the dog park and just watched the dogs. And I realized I kind of built it up in my head a little bit and I- I could have been disappointed because he could have not cared, but he actually did quite enjoy <laughs> himself, which I was proud of. But then it was like, okay, we came back. That was awesome. He went down to sleep and then woke up and I was like, well, what am I going to do with you now? <laughs> <laughs> so I I love spending time with him and he is obviously much more playful and engaged than he was when he was three months old, six months old. But it's still hard to know what to do with him all the time. Yeah. I have no solutions. It is. And somewhat a reflection, I think, of my own personality. Like, I don't always know how to play or have hobbies or any of these things. So some of it's just like, I don't even know what that looks like for myself. So how do I translate it to a kid? But that's just my conundrum. That's my something of note. Yeah, if anyone has any good tips out there, we're open to hearing them. I think it is, I mean, it is just tricky, though. You feel this, too. For sure. Yeah, how to play with him, how to be engaged, when essentially, like, he, he's just going to scoot around and do his own thing. Like, he's not really, the only thing that he's maybe going to engage you with is if you're building a tower, he'll knock it down. But there's only so many times that you can build a tower. I will yeah. say, I don't think we're alone in this, though. Like, yeah, I think many I people think struggle so in working out how to play with their kids, and especially, probably especially when they're infants. Yeah, but there's a lot of presentation that people love playing with their kids. It's just so much fun. I'm like, I don't. I'm I feel not like, good at this. I feel like that's maybe a lie. Yes. I. Like, I feel, I'm going to say this. This is maybe a take, but I'll have a different take. I feel like maybe most parents don't love playing with their kids for hours on end. I believe you. I'm just saying the perception that is often presented oh, by parents is that they love playing with yeah, their yeah, kids yeah. for hours no, on end. No, I know. And I'm saying I think that there's a collective cultural lie. I believe that you can have a, sh- a shorter period of time that feels really fulfilling for you and your child. I don't know that I'm convinced that you really enjoy playing with your kid for a couple hours at a time. Uh, yeah. Not, I, not you personally. I'm yeah, saying no, the, I know. Hmm? The, the you of the commercials that try to sell us various things. I'd be very curious if listeners agreed or disagreed with us on this. Come, come at us with those hot takes about how we're bad parents. I'm ready for them. Cancel us. No, don't cancel us. Please keep listening to the podcast. All right. What's your take? Hmm. So my take is related. If my something of note was about parental anxiety, my take is about parental pride. And just the fascinating thing that I've noticed in myself that I want Oliver to be excellent. By which I mean, I think I've talked about development in the past. And I don't know if when I've talked about Oliver's development and marveling at it, I've also mentioned that when he does something new, I Google when are babies expected to do that. And he's always just smack dab 
where he's supposed to be. He's never he's never really been advanced in any particular thing that he's done where it's like, ooh, Oliver, you're doing this at six months, but most babies do that. No, if they're if most babies do it at nine months, Oliver's doing it in nine months. And it's just a funny thing because I Google that kind of knowing what the answer will be, but also hoping he's maybe a little advanced. But then I was just kind of thinking about that. I'm like, why Why is it necessary for Oliver to be excellent or excel? And it's just, I was just noting, I think, you know, you kind of drink the cultural water, right? That you're engaged in it. And just our emphasis on wanting our kids to be excellent. And I think maybe the place you see this perhaps most prominently is youth sports. Mm. right where especially for dads i think yeah this Mm -hmm. stuff can get lived out where you want your kid to really be the best and even if you're gonna say you want them to have fun you really you'd really you would have more fun if they were excelling and i just i even as i thought about just his development i was like what it doesn't matter (laughs) as long as he's developing that's an amazing gift in and of itself and there's probably a lot more American in my parenting than either Christian or either just like good person if I'm hoping he's going to beat some kind of benchmark. So mm. that's just, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, a self-observation take. But I mean, I guess the bigger picture take is just how easily we imbibe cultural narratives about what our kids should be or do or look like. And that was one that I probably been caring and will carry is the reality and I have to push back against within myself so mm-hmm. good on you Oliver just keep developing you're doing great yeah I would say my take is actually a similar vibe just about some of the cultural pressures of what a family looks like we were talking a little bit about this this week I had a mom's group through our church we were talking about sabbath and just like how impossible a Sabbath feels sometimes. And part of that is because there's this cultural pressure to do all these things with your kid and to like your kid, you have a kid and then your life kind of like pivots around them. And in some ways that's inescapable. He does dictate a lot of what we do in our lives now. We have to orient our schedule to his naps and we have to bring things for him when we take him places. But I do think... Sometimes we just, we do something because that's the way we see everyone else doing it or it's the way we grew up doing it. And we don't realize, oh, we actually could do this differently. We could take a step back and change some of these things. And some of that's just like, obviously down the road for Oliver, you know, how much do you get him involved in? Because Mm -hmm. man, that can really just dictate what your life looks like as a parent. But I think that's really important to start thinking about now I mean, I said to you, I was like, if we're going to have a kid and we want him to be involved in like everything, be excellent at everything and Mm. pursue that, then like we're done having kids. Like I do not want another one because then that just becomes your whole life. Yeah. And you're really suggesting kind of a Rapunzel alternative, like just lock them in a tower. (laughs) No, I was not. (laughs) But but that's often seen as the alternative. So that is part of the frustrating part for me. It's like. No, there is other ways to narrate how your family structure is. Yeah. You can choose to say, we're only going to have you, you know, focus on one thing at a time or do this thing for a season or whatever. And it doesn't make you, in my opinion, doesn't make you a bad parent for limiting your kid. Your kid's going to 
can still have a fulfilling childhood and not totally be signed up for a million activities that then the parents are just always doing what the kid's doing. So I think there's just things to be thoughtful about even now, you know, like he will, even in the next few months, I think there will be opportunities to get him involved in things. And so just being mindful of what that looks like and how, I think you said to me, it's important to teach Oliver he's a part of a family. And that also means like the family does not like revolve around him. Like it revolves around me. No. Oh, sorry. You. Yes. (laughs) Us. No, us. (laughs) Yeah, no. Like, it's important that he understands that sometimes he will have to sacrifice for me or for you right. because, and obviously, I mean, he's young. For a long time, he's not going to get that concept. But I think, especially, he's in his teen years, like some of that, and trying to form at least some awareness of other people's needs. And this will probably all come back to bite us when he turns 14 <laughs> and is like, Episode 512 (laughs) of the podcast will say, yeah, episode 34, we have failed. But at nine months, we can be very idealistic (laughs) and at least try to think through some of these things. That's great. Yeah, those are good thoughts. That's a good take. It gets me a little fired up. I feel a little flushed. Yeah, you you (laughs) do get fired up talking about this. You're like, my life will not revolve around my children. No, I, I... I'm realizing that I can't have that entirely. I think when I was pregnant, I had this big like, my life isn't going to change at all. It makes me really annoyed when people change completely when they have kids. And I recognize now it is inevitable. He is a major part of our lives. Mm -hmm. He's a kid and he has tons of demands. And also I want to be involved in his life. So I recognize that some of that change is inevitable and good. And I enjoy it. But I also think there are ways in which we don't have to give up everything. Do you think parenting is just one long process of mellowing all your strongly held parenting opinions? Most definitely. (laughs) And holding on to like a slow simmer of some of them. (laughs) I like that mix of metaphors, holding on to a slow simmer. (laughs) Does it make sense? Maybe. Rachel, she's not just a parent. She's also a podcaster and metaphor mixer. I appreciate those titles. Uh, speaking of not just being a parent, shall we move on to yes. I'm not just a parent? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to keep this short, which this is going to be hard. But I have recently developed a new hobby of composting. Oh, dear. Okay. What did you think I was about to say? No, go ahead. I just, yep, keep it short. Elevator pitch me. Listen, here's what I learned. There are over 200,000 tons of waste thrown out in our county. That was a stat from seven years ago. Almost a quarter of it was organic waste that could have been composted. So there's one part where it's just contributing and helping the environment. There's also a part which I'm probably more on board with, which is just amazing to watch the things that you are throwing out, like your Amazon boxes and vegetable scraps become things that can then be nutrients for your plants, which is amazing. And I've got an outdoor compost bin. I've got an in-garage worm bin. And it's just been so fun to monitor and turn those and stay on top of them. You have a thermometer. He is all in, folks. Oh, yeah. I've gone all in. So 
I bought a pound of worms. They got shipped in from Pennsylvania. So probably offset some of my environmental benefits there, but it's been a lot of fun and it's not really had anything to do with Oliver other than I take him out to look at the worms every day. His first pet. He's not really interested yet, but no, he will be. Yet. He will be. We did have a minor white mite problem this week, so. Can't bring it back. <laughs> okay, too much. Too much. Go ahead. You just give your, you just give us in as short a time. You're I'm not just a parent. I will. Well, I got really excited because my not just a parent is also a new hobby or a realized hobby. I am really enjoying cooking recently. Oh. I've always liked cooking like as a chore necessity. It's on the top of my list of what I have to do like that I enjoy doing. Uh-huh. But I would say last like couple of months when I get to the end of the day and you come home from work and I can give Oliver to you and I just get to go in the kitchen and do dinner meal. It is so relaxing for me. Like I'm like, you just take Oliver. Let me just work with the ingredients. Do the thing. Like I'm actually totally enjoying it. Not- wow, I had no idea. I know. But I just have found it really fun to try new flavors. I started doing some more oh, recipes okay. Rachel, recently. Can you please rein it in? Rein it in. Bring it back. <laughs> that's fair that's, i'm just that's kidding keep fun. going tell us about your new recipe i was just teasing you <laughs> tell us about your new recipes no that's all i need to say no no i no go ahead please i was just joking i, I started following half-big harvest which i'm very late to the bandwagon just like i was hamilton among many other things why are you late to the half-baked harvest bandwagon rachel <laughs> because i thought it was a food delivery service turns out she's an awesome flu- food blogger <laughs> flu- awesome blog. food blogger Anyway, I just have realized how rejuvenating it ex- that experience is to me to like awesome. cook and then have good food. That's, I yeah, I didn't realize how good that's been for you. Yeah, and I was reading something talking about, yeah, kind of like we can't be the best parent at everything. So there will be some things that our kids remember us for. And one of them was, yeah, that my mom made good meals. And I was like, well, I feel like that actually has more weight priority for me than I ever would have imagined. Partly because I was a very picky eater growing up and food was not my thing. And I think I have a lot of baggage around food. But I'm enjoying cooking maybe because I have the control to use the ingredients I want. Hmm. It's just been a really delightful thing. Wow, that's great. I'm glad for you. Thanks. Two hobbies. Two really, hobbies. Really mutually reinforcing hobbies. Yeah, they're very... It is also nice to know any food waste is being put back into the earth. Yep. And eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to grow more food out of that waste. And it's just the circle of life. Yeah, we're pretty fired up about these things. Wow. All right. Well, let's let's stop there. That's enough. Till next week. Till oh. next time. Wow. We're just not, not even a little closing banter. Rachel's done. It's hot in here. I thought you were giving me a look. Wow, we are really off the rails on this. (laughs) Listeners, can you tell? I actually think I did great with my ailment. I was going to ask, do you still have your ailment? I don't think so. This podcast, podcasting might have been the cure. How do you think, how long do you think you had it during this episode? It's unclear to me. Okay, well. There's maybe like after, aftershock kind of equivalents. Mm, Okay, well. Offer still stands. We'll send you a legit real gift if you can guess 
what it is. Timsteg at gmail.com. All right. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Timsteg.